uh, <clears throat> Palm Sunday today, the Sunday before Good Friday, and the Sunday before, um, well, the Sunday before Good Friday when Jesus was crucified, and the Sunday before Easter Sunday when we celebrate his resurrection. And today we'll be reading um, from the account of Palm Sunday in, in John chapter 12. So if you have your, your Bible with you and it takes you a little while to get there, you can start uh, finding John chapter 12 now. Um, in, the, in, the, in the first century, in first century Jerusalem, the Passover feast lined up with, with Jesus' death and resurrection. And this makes sense, of course, right? Because, because the Passover feast, it proclaims Jesus' death and it, it um, proclaims our escape from, from death. So on Palm Sunday, as it's now known, devout Jews, they were starting to fill up Jerusalem in, in preparation for the Passover festival that was coming up. And, and shortly before Palm Sunday, um, Jesus' friend Lazarus had died in, in Bethany. And Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, they'd been disappointed, um, sad, because they knew that if, if Jesus had been there, that Lazarus wouldn't have died. <clears throat> but Jesus had other plans. He delayed his arrival in Bethany until after Lazarus had died. And then, then he brought Lazarus' Back to life. And in doing this, Jesus was proclaiming his own death and resurrection that was, that was coming up shortly. And of course, Jesus' resurrection was to eternal life. And Jesus is still alive for Lazarus. He died. Um, Jesus resurrected him as a, as a, as a shadow of, of, of Jesus' own coming resurrection. But, but Lazarus' resurrection at that time, it was, it was only temporary. He, Lazarus, later on, he would, of course, die again. And, and then just like us, a day is coming in the future when, when Jesus will return and, and call all of us out of the grave and, and raise us all to, to new eternal life. So just like us, Lazarus, there's a day coming when he will be raised to eternal life. <clears throat> and so, so that little bit of background gets us to our, our text for today. Um, John chapter 12, starting in, at verse 12. And of course, this is the Palm Sunday story, the, the story where, where Jesus gets on this donkey and, and, and rides into... Um, Jerusalem, and, and it's called Palm Sunday because the people wave these palm branches and, and they, they praise him. <clears throat> but John chapter 12, um, verse 12, or sorry, verse, uh, John chapter 12, verse 9. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was in Bethany, they came not only account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom, he, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Right? So, so why, did these, why did the crowds come when, when Jesus was, was coming in? Why did the crowds come? To see Jesus, for sure, but also to see Lazarus. And, and this, this idea is repeated in, in verses 17 and 18. Um, and so, like many things in the Bible, it must be important if, if the same idea is, is repeated. And, and one, of the, one of the lessons here, one of the points is that, that, that our testimony, right, the, the miracles that God has done in our lives... Um, they will attract a crowd. And this was certainly true of, of Lazarus. This is certainly true of us. And so, and so we, want to, we want to share our testimony. We want to share the things that God has done in our lives. We want to share the miracles that he has worked in our, our lives. And when that attracts a crowd, when people are, are like, hey, I want to see, I want to meet this person that, that God healed, or I want to meet this person that, that I've seen a change in their life, then and we want to be sure that, hey, we use this to point them to the real miracle. We point them to Jesus. Amen. 
But, but be warned, because some of the attention that you attract when you start proclaiming Jesus, it, it will attract people that want to silence you. I'm carrying on in verse, John chapter 12, verse 10. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. <clears throat> right? They're like, hey, well, I, I don't, I, in fact, I don't even know what they're thinking. If they knew that Lazarus had been raised from the dead, and they're like, well, he didn't die, he didn't stay dead the first time, so we're going to try and kill him again, who knows what they were thinking. But anyway, they, they thought, well, we'll put Lazarus to death again, <clears throat> because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus, right? And, and the chief priests, they didn't, they didn't want this. So they're, they're, the plan that they hatched was, well, we'll, we'll plan to put Lazarus to to death as well. Uh, verse 12, the next day, Palm Sunday, the large crowd that had come to the Passover feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it, just as it is written, fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming sitting on a donkey's colt. So let's pause here for a second. Why a, why a donkey? Why did Jesus come riding in on a, come, come into Jerusalem riding on a donkey? Was he, was he tuckered out? No, because Bethpage, where, where the disciples got Jesus' donkey, it was, it was only about a kilometer from, from Jerusalem. So even if he was tuckered out, right, he could have just carried on, on walking that last little bit. <clears throat> Here's one reason. Jesus is the, Jesus is the king. And, and when he has the entourage, when he has the, um, just the, the, the bling, as it were, that, that, de- that declare him as king, um, it's like he's, he's, he's proclaiming who he is. And, and we see this in visions of the Old Testament, our visions, the visions in the Old Testament. Um, when, when, when we see the throne, when we see, when we see Jesus seated there and, and, um, and we see who he is, that he is, in fact, the king. We see some of these descriptions in, in Revelation as well. Um, Jesus, though, is also the king when he's hanging on the cross, right? So there's times when we see, when we see him, him portrayed as the king, um, which, which, what, which would be situations where, yeah, we recognize Jesus as the king, but he's also the king when he's on the cross, when he's humbled, when he's humiliated, when he's naked. See, see these, these things, the things that he does, they flow from who he is, the king. And it's not these things that make him the king, it's these things that happen because he is the king. So, so riding on a donkey, it could proclaim that I don't need a mighty beast to prove that I'm the king, because I'm the king independent of that. I am the king. Jesus is the king. But also, for at least several thousand years leading up to Jesus' triumphant entry, kings rode donkeys. This is, this is what they did. And maybe, maybe part of it was that, that idea that, hey, you know what? As the king, I don't need to prove that I'm the king with some fancy horse. I'm going to go on a, a donkey because I know I'm the king. Uh, but for whatever reason, for, for the years leading up to Jesus' triumphant entry, um, this is what kings did. They rode on, many kings would ride, ride on donkeys. And so, so the, the people that were shouting Hosanna, they would have recognized Jesus as the king this way. And then, of course, Jesus' entry into Jerusalem on this donkey um, fulfilled prophecy. 
Uh, John quotes from Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, which reads, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. In the John account, um, John didn't include the part about Jesus being humble, and he also didn't include Zechariah verse 10, the, the following verse in, in Zechariah. I will cut off the chariots from Ephraim, and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off. And he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. This prophecy in, in Zechariah proclaims that this Jesus is different. He's, he's humble. He's not coming on a, a war horse, but on a humble donkey. And he's bringing peace. And he's doing that in a new way, in a different way. So back to um, John chapter 12. <clears throat> After these few verses describing the, the triumphal entry, we continue in, in verse 16. Jesus' disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. Verse 18. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard that he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Or, or the NIV of, uh, of verse 19 is a little bit clearer. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. <clears throat> Look how the whole world has gone after Jesus. You remember, even before he came in, the, the religious leaders um, were plotting plotting against Jesus. In verse 10 again, so the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. And so just after and just before Jesus rode in on his donkey, everything was a mess, right? Everybody was conspiring against him. And a few days later, Jesus' crucifixion came and this seems like initially this, we, we know now, but initially this doesn't seem like good news. It seemed that things were a mess then as well. But at the moment of Jesus' entry, at the moment that Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, at the moment that he was on that donkey, that the people were praising him, everything was as it was supposed to be. Jesus was being proclaimed as the king. We could look at it, we could, we could look at that and say, oh well, this won't last. King this week, but killed next week. Or we might say, oh, these, these people here, the people that are praising Jesus, they're not even sincere. <clears throat> because next week, many of them will be singing a different tune. Or in a few days anyway, many of them will be singing a different tune. <clears throat> Shortly before this, one of Jesus' closest friends, Lazarus, had died. And less than a week after this, Jesus had died. And, and so the point is that on, on Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry, when Jesus came in on this donkey, this was everything that it was supposed to be. Everything was right, but, but just outside of this magic moment, everything seems to have fallen apart. And friends, I'd suggest that it's not much different in our own lives. At, at, at this instant in time, maybe most of us aren't in crisis, but we know that crisis is coming. Maybe, maybe this afternoon, maybe next week. And so the question for us is, 
What am I called to do right now? Read at this moment. On Palm Sunday at that moment, the people's role was to praise Jesus. There was, it, it didn't matter at that moment what had happened or what was coming. Their, their, their role, their, their, their purpose, the call that they had was to praise the king. <clears throat> and they did that. Today, of course, we have a, a bit of advantage over our first century brothers and sisters. We now know that Jesus is the Messiah. And we've been given a clearer picture of, of end times. We know how this story's going to end. <clears throat> of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, we read in, in John chapter 12, verse 16, his disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The disciples later remembered. <clears throat> There's a couple of verses in, in Hebrews that God talk, that, that talk about God remembering. Um, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12, the author is talking about the new covenant that Jesus mediates. And he says, For I, God, will be merciful towards their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. <clears throat> or in Hebrews chapter 10, we're being taught that that Jesus offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins. Um, verse 17 teaches a, a consequence of that good news. I, God, will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. When we receive Jesus' forgiveness, our sin is no longer remembered. Right? But, but what, is that, what, is that, what does that mean? Well, here's, here, this, this is an important concept, and so... You can listen up for a couple minutes, friends. Remember, it means to recall information from memory, right? To, to recollect, to remind ourselves, to, to call to mind. If you don't remember something, it doesn't mean that you forgot. <clears throat> it means that you just didn't bring it to mind. To forget in the Bible is more, it's more, you might say, neglectful. So there's examples where the disciples forgot to bring their lunch, right? Um... Or, or maybe you forgot about your friend that's hurting. You, you forgot. It's not that you didn't remember. It's just that you totally forgot. Or maybe this is helpful. Um, forgetting is passive. Remembering is active. Right? We choose what to remember. We, we remember certain things. It's not that they're, they're, they're still there, but when we remember them, we bring them, we bring them to mind. <clears throat> and so we can choose what to remember. So Paul's teaching in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, take every thought captive to obey Christ, applies to remembering as well. Choose what you will remember. Choose what you will bring to mind. <clears throat> so back to God remembering our sins no more. The point isn't that he forgot, but that he doesn't bring that to mind anymore. Your sin has been nailed to the cross. God doesn't have to remember it anymore. When he's calling you to something new, <clears throat> he's not remembering that you once failed at this. And believer, you don't have to remember your sins anymore. And you don't have to remember the sins committed against you anymore. Deal with your sins. Deal with the sins that have been committed against you. Then remember it no more. Don't bring it to mind. Okay, so that's, that's a little bit of a big aside or a big tangent from our, our text for today. Um, is it worth spending time on this? Yes, it is. <clears throat> the, the, the disciples in, in John chapter 12, later they chose what to remember, right? 
years after this story, they chose what to remember. Jesus' disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered and these things, that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. And so we can also choose what to remember. Christian, you've been told the good news. You've been told how the story will end. Don't remember the lies that Satan tells you. Don't remember the things Satan would shackle you with. Instead, remember the truth that God tells you. <clears throat> when life seems out of control, when you're not sure how you're going to make the healthcare system work for you, when you're not sure what to do about your, your husband or the person that, that you care about that, that doesn't know Jesus, when it seems everything is conspiring against you, all the hard stuff is happening at the same time, when you previously failed at the very thing that you need to do today, when you'd rather remember your anger or remember your hurt, Choose what to remember. Choose what to remember. Remember that Jesus is the king. So, so we choose what to remember, <clears throat> but how, how, does, how does that help us deal with the stuff that we've got to deal with today? Well, the triumphal entry, it helps us with that as well. Um, not, long after the, not long after this scene with Jesus on the donkey, right? as, I, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, Jesus... Jesus is killed, and, and we, of course, remember that this is ultimately good, but at the time, at the time of Good Friday, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, when he was dying, I don't think anybody thought that that was good. <clears throat> and this is how it is with our own lives. We know that some hard stuff is coming. We know that there's uncertainty about the future and often about the past, but usually, we know what we have to do right now. <clears throat> the people praising Jesus, right? The argument could have been made. Don't even bother. The guy you're praising is king? We're going to kill him in a few days. <clears throat> Friends, even though that's true, many of them would kill him. They were doing exactly what they were supposed to do, be doing at that moment. And so, so friends, my, my, my encouragement for you today is that, that you do what you need to do today. Don't let the future or the past distract you from the steps that you need to take today. And there's freedom in this. Let's finish up. Um, Jesus is the king. Can I get an amen for that? Yeah. Amen. And you may, not, you may choose not to make him king in your own life, maybe because you're not sure what the future holds, maybe because you'd rather remember the way that you've been wronged, maybe because... You're worried that he will remember what you did. But Jesus will be king even if you don't acknowledge him as king. <clears throat> but friends, oh, let, me, let me urge you. It will be, it is so much better for us. It's, it'll be so much better for you. It's so much better for, for me. It's so much better for each of us if, if we allow Jesus to be the king in our own lives. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for everybody here, Lord, that you would be king in our lives. That if there's um, things that, that from the past or things from the future that, are, that we're holding on to, rather than allowing you to be king in our lives today, that you would lead us in, in letting go of those things. And that, that today, 
that, 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 that today we would do the things that you're calling us to do, that you would be king in our lives, that you would be Lord and Savior in our lives. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.